Hi, my name is Ben Atkinson, and welcome to season three of the Functional Health Podcast. I'm trained in both biomedical science and nutrition, and I firmly believe that a holistic and functional approach to health is fundamental to our well-being. I interview some of the leading voices in nutrition and lifestyle medicine, from practitioners to professors and everyone in between. With this podcast, I will share with you their stories, their expertise, and their advice, shedding light on the industry from each of their perspectives and providing you with simple tips and tricks to help improve your health from today. This week, I'm delighted to share with you my conversation with Susie Glasky. Susie is an experienced functional medicine health coach and is interested in the far-reaching effects of how our emotions affect our well-being. Today, we speak about the best ways to change our damaging behaviours and how to form healthy new ones. So, without further ado, Susie, welcome to the show. Thank you very much, Ben. So Susie, I've introduced you just before, but maybe just to start, like, because I'm, I'm not sure many people know what it is, could you please explain what health coaching is? Yes, absolutely. It is pretty new to the UK, so um, I wouldn't be surprised if people weren't so familiar with the term health coaching. Um, so as a health coach, I help people to make those um, fundamental lifestyle changes that they need to make in order to get their health back. So we support people, we hold their hand through the process of change, which can be a very difficult, protracted, um, quite up and down process. And we, we're their cheerleader and we, we just celebrate every little success with them, keep them going, help them build momentum so that they can get better. Fantastic. And would you normally work in a, a collaborative clinic with maybe a nutritional therapist or a doctor? How does it work? Yeah, sure. Well, I, I work in various different ways. So, um, for example, I work collaboratively, uh, collaboratively with an amazing functional medicine doctor who we have um, up here in the Northwest called Dr. Sarah Davis. Um, and then also Kate Garden, who's an amazing nutritional therapist and also a functional medicine practitioner. She's down in Bath. Um, and then I work with a lot of people directly who just come to me um, to me directly, uh, whether they have been recommended to me by a local GP or um, or, or they've just come across me. Um, so it's kind of a big mix. And then I do a lot of corporate work as well, where I'm coaching people in companies. Great. So what inspired you originally to become a health coach yourself? Oh, well, that's a bit of a story because I actually used to work in PR. So I've had a, a very odd trajectory in terms of my career. I, I worked in PR for about 22 years, mainly for the food industry. So um, a lot of my time was spent promoting um, sweets and crisps and sweet and low and lots of weird chemical ingredients that mm -hmm. go into low fat food products. I did that for many years, um, chemically modified starches. And I really loved all of it, was very happy in PR, um, but it got increasingly stressful. I had three young kids and was running, running an agency myself, and I fell out of love with it. The stress was way too much. I wasn't handling it very well. And when my father passed away um, a few years ago, I kind of knew that I was done. Actually, before dad passed away, I knew that he was a, very close to passing away, and I, I decided overnight that I was going to leave, which I did. 
And I then got into EFT, emotional freedom technique, which otherwise known as tapping. And that helped me massively when dad passed away because I was very, very stuck in grief and was not getting better. Um, so I was so blown away by how transformation it was that I actually trained up in EFT. And while I was kind of sort of playing around with that and, and thinking that I was going to be an EFT practitioner, I stumbled across health coaching and I knew instantly that that was the thing for me because it brought together the emotional and mental with the physical. So it looks at the whole person and that really appealed to me. So I trained up in that and then, then trained up with the Functional Medicine Coaching Academy, which had just been launched. And yeah, I never looked back. Right. Fantastic. But some people might be listen, listening to this and thinking, well, I've gone through the general healthcare system and it worked very well for me. So why do you think health coaches are needed in healthcare in general? So I think there, there are some people who could go to their GP and their GP would say, um, you, you're overweight and your blood pressure is too high, et cetera, et cetera. You, need to, you really need to lose four stone and you need to start exercising and you need to manage your stress, et cetera, et cetera. And, and, you know, there may be some people who can go away and do that, you know, without any further help. And, and most people, that is an absolute mountain to climb. Um I mean, I was just with a client just before we started this podcast. And um, so just to give you an example. So when he came to me, he was about 22 stone with a whole host of health problems, as, as you can imagine, as we see so often, you know, it's never just one thing, um, you know, and his knees are terrible and he has asthma and, and, and you know, and it goes on and on. Mm-hmm. Um, and he has tried, like so many people, so, so many people that I see, um, he has tried for 35 years to... To, to stop binging and, and to get healthy. He has tried again and again and again and failed again and again and again. And you lose hope. You know, after a while, you, you, you don't see yourself as someone who can ever get better because you have failed so many times. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's just not easy to change your lifestyle. So he, for example, is addicted to Diet Coke. He's one of so many people who I see who are addicted to Diet Coke. So if he goes out for dinner, you know, he would have three pints of Diet Coke. Um, I see people who have 15 Diet Cokes a day. So literally, it's the first thing they drink in the morning. It's the last thing they drink next to their bed. Um, And we can intellectually explain to them that that is harmful. And they can, on an intellectual level, understand that it's harmful to them. But stopping the habit is altogether different. That's a different kettle of fish. So the health coach, we are the how. How do people change? That's where we come in. So um, yes, you can have a prescription for, for changing this and starting doing this and doing this elimination diet and all these different protocols, but the health coach provides the how. So right. that's the bridge between between the patient or the client and, and what the doctor is asking them to do. Yes, because quite often it seems like the key difficulties in an in adapting to a healthy lifestyle it's not necessarily knowing what to do but yeah. also like the process of how to do it so absolutely how yeah. do you help that process along yeah so um the first thing to say is that it's not a straight line and um so so most people they will start to make a change 
say, right, right, that's it. I'm going to stop eating biscuits in the evening and I'm going to start going for a walk in the morning and um, I'm going to start doing a meditation app. Da, da, da. And they will, they will start and then they will fall back. So they'll do it for a couple of days maybe or a couple of weeks and then something will happen. Maybe they'll have, I don't know, a bad day at work or their, their kids will be a bit bolshy with them and, and they just... They'll fall back on their, their habits because the pull of habits is very, very strong. These ingrained habits that we have been doing for years and years and years, um, we have a neural pathway in our brain which, which just pushes us down that track. So for many, many years, I would have a, a family-sized pack of salt and crisps in the evening. Um, and That's that not was uncommon. Just... <laughs> I know, I know, and that was... And, and I have to say, Ben, I'm ashamed to say, this was even when I was a health coach. And right. Because that was my habit. That was my habit. I loved them. I mean, I wasn't addicted to them. I wasn't, I'm not particular. I'm not an emotional eater. I don't have an eating disorder. But I really love salt and vinegar crisps. And my habit was to have them every evening, say around nine o'clock in the evening. Um, and if was they it by any habit, chance with a glass of wine? Because that seems no. to be... That seems to be I'm the thing with drinker. most people. Okay. <laughs> but um, I would sometimes have them with a Cadbury's flake or two. <laughs> <laughs> and gummy bears. And uh, yeah, I, the gummy bears, I managed to stop when I had to have root canal. That was a wake-up call. <laughs> right. So that kind of got me off the gummy bears. Yes. Um, but, but I listen, I was an educated woman, um, interested in health. And even I was having a packet of gummy bears after work because that was my reward for having had a really stressful day um, running a PR agency. And and I would say really ridiculous things to myself like, um, well, I don't smoke, so and I'm not overweight, so so I can get away with it. And the the fact is, I couldn't get away with it any more than anyone else. Um, but I think the fact that I have gone through that makes me a more pragmatic coach because I kind of understand <laughs> when people tell me about what they eat in the evenings. And they're, they're really, really honest with me because there's no distance with a health coach. They're not intimidated. Um, sometimes they're a little bit intimidated around a doctor. Um, with a health coach, we're kind of on the same level. And they will be very frank about what they are eating in the evenings. Um and I get it. I really do. I know how hard it is. I tried three times to stop with the crisps. And I'd say to my kids, like, that's it. Uh, you know, I'd be on holiday and, like, I've not had any crisps for two weeks while we're in Greece. I don't need them anymore. That's it. Don't let me have the crisps. And then after three weeks, I'd had, I'd had a, really, a really intense day at work and came home and was like, I need some crisps. And my daughter was like, but, mummy, mummy, you said, you said, it. I know, I know, but I, I want my crisps. <laughs> <laughs> And um, I kind of just shut her up and, and went on with chomping my crisps. Um, and actually, it was going to, it must have been about three years ago now, when I went to um, the Institute for Functional Medicine annual conference uh, in LA. And it was all about neuroplasticity. And I think just being in the vicinity of all those amazing doctors talking about the brain for three days. And I came home and, and I opened the cupboard and I thought, I, I can't do it anymore. I can't. I can't eat so much of these toxic, toxic oils, you know, in the industrial quantities that I am eating them and look my daughter in the face, look my youngest child in the face, knowing that I am risking losing my brain. So that was it. That was the last time that I bought my salt and crisps. <laughs> I get it. But it's, yeah. 
it's the thing, isn't it? It's like you, you don't want to seem like a hypocrite, but then it's like quite hard to stop these habits because you assume like the rest of my life is healthy. So why can't I indulge, you know, on one yeah. thing? But I guess it's yeah. just the relationship you have with that food as well. Same with any other unhealthy habit, which you need to yes. kind of fix or um, monitor. So That's true. Yeah. And the thing is, it's, it's made additionally difficult because so many of these foods or fake foods rather are designed in a lab to be addictive um and and i know this having worked on the inside of the food industry for so long and been a part of that whole machinery i know exactly how it works um which unfortunately didn't insulate me from <laughs> from eating the stuff myself mm -hmm. but the levels of, of addiction that i see and the people that i coach are just off the scale i don't think i don't think anyone really realizes this the scale of sugar addiction that's out there um i just see it everywhere and um it is just robbing people of their health their mental health their self-esteem um it, it's just dreadful what this does to people so i regularly coach people who will tell me you know they'll sit down with you know the big tubs of heroes yes um the little chocolate so that they, they will just have the whole thing you know in one sitting a big tin of those or it will be you know a packet of twixes or packets of biscuits and they can't stop they they open the biscuits and they cannot stop that hand going in their mouth yeah so with with someone like that um you know just saying to them well you need to go on this elimination diet which means you can't have any sugar and you can't have any you know any refined carbs and you can't have this they can't do it it's not that they don't want to it's not that they are stupid um they cannot do it without without a huge amount of support so take me through that process if someone comes to you and they are addicted to these kinds of foods how do you break that habit what kind of mindset do you need to have or do you nurture in order to do that yeah so um we start with finding out like what is their why getting better um, and if we can get clear on um, how they would like to feel you know um, if I could wave a magic wand over them how would they like to feel and um, I always like the expression um, to find a why that makes you cry so in my case my why was that I desperately didn't want to didn't want to develop dementia and for me as much as I loved my crisps I loved my children more um, so that was that was a clear why for me, and that made it easier for me to stop with the crisps and make better food choices. So we start with a why, and we we help them to build in things which will help them to feel better. Because so often they are trying to medicate their way um, using a crutch of sugar or alcohol or whatever it is. Um, they're trying to anesthetize feelings which are really uncomfortable for them. So whether it's past trauma that's unresolved, stuff that's happened in their childhood very often, um, all sorts of stuff, all sorts of really complex stuff which they're carting around with them and they are trying to eat away their feelings, which of course never works. So you, we have to get underneath all of that and treat the trauma. So the way I do that is using um, EFT, which is... What I, what I mentioned earlier, emotional freedom technique or tapping. Yes. Um, and that helps them to address what's going on underneath 
that craving for sugar? You know, what's really going on? So um, rather than going to hide in the car with, you know, packets of biscuits so that the kids can't see them, it's like, you know, what are you, what are you feeling? We get them to, uh, to sort of acknowledge, first of all, what it is they're feeling. Because so many people are so out of touch with what they're actually feeling and it's just easier to, to put stuff in your mouth to distract yourself. Mm-hmm. So um, it's a gentle, very, very gentle process to get them to um, look at what they're actually feeling and actually feel what they're feeling. Um, and, and we help them to then move through it. Um, and then bring other stuff into their lives that, that is non-food related that makes them feel better. So one lady who I've been working with who who also binges and has been binging for as long as she can remember, she's now 70 and, and she certainly was binging age five. Um, so you can imagine how many times she has binged over that period and how strong those neural pathways are. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's really a huge job to try and unpick them. So one thing um, that we, because we always come up with a plan together. So I will never prescribe you know, I want to do this exercise or because it's got to be personalized because one person may love running as it happens. I, I don't like running. So if someone told me to run, I wouldn't do it. Um, another person might like, I don't know, Nordic walking or Zumba or, but it's got to be something they like. So in her instance, what we discovered is that she actually likes jigsaws. And again, I would never prescribe that to her because I don't like jigsaws, <laughs> but she, she does love them. So we got her to get a jigsaw out and um, that's because she got in the state of flow. So that's when you lose track of time, you get completely absorbed in what you're doing. Mm -hmm. And she didn't feel the need to binge because she was happy. She was engaged in something. She, she was making progress and she could sit back and admire what she'd done. And it gave her um, a feeling of self-esteem and of, um, that she was a self of mastery. So this is very important to build these qualities of people feeling that they can achieve something, they can finish it. Um, and that was massively helpful with getting her away from uh, the chocolates. So you're not just distracting the person from feeling that way. You're also, I guess, making them do something which makes them feel good, which is avoiding that food. Is that correct? Yes, yes, absolutely. We, we, we need to build things into our lives which make us feel good. And that's going to be different for every person. Um, but if we, so many women in particular, don't have anything in their lives that's for them. Because from the moment they wake up, they're, they're just running around after everyone else. And they're completely depleted. Um, they're running on empty. And it's no surprise that it comes to the evening and they will just sort of, bury their head in packets of biscuits because they've just got nothing left um, and that is their comfort. So you you can't just take away the crutch and and say, that's it, and you can't have any more biscuits. They they have to have something else. They they have to have learned how to look after themselves. So I will do everything from breathing practices with them. I will sit and do them with with them. Um, So we we do breathing practices together. I will teach them sort of gratitude practices um, yes. and if necessary, I'll do that with them so that they, they start to very gently um, have a different mindset. Um, and, and in conjunction with that, we, we change, we'll change their food. So get them to have, um, you know, if they're having cereal for breakfast, get them to have a proper breakfast of, you know, high in protein and good fats, which will cut their cravings. So we kind of 
can get it from both angles. Um, very often they're completely dehydrated. They don't drink any water at all. So get them drinking water, um, the basic habits, and then working psychologically as well to build their self-esteem. Yes, and, and you mentioned gratitude there. And I absolutely yeah. love the idea of, of um, how did you put it? Um, gratitude journal right okay yeah gratitude journal or just practicing gratitude so Mm -hmm. sometimes I'll do the three things I'm most grateful for during Mm -hmm. the day and not only does that change the way I think but also changes the way I feel and just from what you were saying if someone has like an emotional connection to a food I can imagine gratitude will change the way they feel and therefore might change their daily habits for the better yeah, yeah, I, I, it's hugely powerful. I mean, it, it helps with everything from sleep, blood pressure, everything. It's so I I always encourage my clients to start doing that. And sometimes it takes them. Sometimes people will just they'll get it immediately and they'll start on the Monday and that'll be it. And sometimes it takes them a little while and a lot of encouragement and prompting to get mm-hmm. them to do it. But once they do it, I've seen the most remarkable changes from people who, when they first came to see me. Um, were, were really pretty negative and would be complaining about everything from their family to their neighbours to the, you know, everything was was a problem. And then you, you just watch them change and, you know, they come and say, oh, Susie, I noticed the quality of the light this morning. Um, or, I mean, just, just little things that they had started to notice. It's like they'd put on a different pair of spectacles and suddenly the world was different. Um, and they, they started to appreciate things in their life. And that's so huge. Um, and it just changes everything. It really does. So I, I see that as as powerful as helping somebody to change their habit away from the junk food. Yes, absolutely. I couldn't agree more with that. Now, are people always willing to change? Because I imagine some people might come to you and they, like when they go to a doctor, they kind of want one pill to fix an ill. They want a quick fix. Are people yeah. always willing to change their, their, I suppose, what they eat and their lifestyle in general? Yeah, it's, it, well, no, not at all. And I think people are at different stages. So um, some people won't even recognize that there is anything wrong. Um and will be in complete denial, complete and total denial. So I often, um, often when I'm coaching a woman, um, they'll tell me about their husband, and the husband will be um, very overweight and eating junk food, etc. But, but and and she'll say, you know, I'm really trying to change, but my husband's just in in complete denial, and he can't understand what what I'm talking about. Um, and unfortunately, in those cases, it, it often takes, very sadly, they'll have a heart attack or, you know, a stroke or something. And, and only then, only then will they decide to change. Um, so the thing is, you can't really make anyone do anything. You know, you can't ever force anyone to change. And people are at different stages. So maybe they are considering change, but they're not quite ready um or maybe they they are ready to change but they just don't know how to go about it mm-hmm. and even once they've started that process of change it's then a long process from there so maybe they are in the process of change but the changes are not yet solidified so they're still at the, they're still at the stage where they can slip back 
very easily. So they can be doing really well and then something will happen which will just throw them off course and they're back to square one. So they, they're, they're back to the binging um, or whatever it was or they, they were exercising and then they stopped. So it, it takes a little while for them to get to the stage where they've completed that process of change um, and then it's just a case of maintaining it. You know, they've, they've changed. You know, they're not going to slip back. They feel great. Um, they don't ever want to go back to feeling how they used to. Um, but there's a whole spectrum in what I've just talked about. Um, so the people who are really not ready to change, it's a very, very gentle process of, of trying, you know, of kind of nudging them along. Mm -hmm. Because if you were to give them a whole functional medicine protocol, they just you know they're just not motivated to do it and often they're already quite complex and quite challenging and unless you are motivated to do it it's it's not really likely that you would be prepared to go to those lengths of, of stripping out all those things from your diet and you know taking a supplement even taking supplements that's a, a big challenge for a lot of people just to remember to take them Yes, absolutely. A lot of people, even though they want to take them, just can forget because it's not part of their routine. Yes. Yeah. So it's all about how do you bake these habits into the rhythm of their daily life? Because anyone can take a supplement once. Anyone can have a green smoothie once or go out for a walk once. And you and I know that that is not going to make any difference to their long-term health. So the challenge is how do you help them bake these habits in that is that's the big question mark and and that's where health coaching comes in so it's kind of like the missing link in the in the in healthcare really it's often described as that you i'm just to rewind back a little bit you mentioned if um so let's say a, one of the one couple wants to change one person wants to change but their partner won't is there something that they can do together to kind of implement change? Do they would they do gratitude together, things like that? And how powerful is it? So it's very powerful to do things as with someone else. Um, the problem is they the, the the women will very often go home and they'll be completely poo pooed, um, and uh, very often the, the partner will say something like, "You know, why are you bothering? You know, you're going to go back to the biscuits." And they're kind of waving the biscuits under them, say, under their nose, saying, you know you're going to eat them. You know you're going to eat them. That's really hard because um, to have your efforts undermined like that makes the, makes the process of change even harder. I mean, it's hard enough as it is. Mm -hmm. So when you have a partner who's supportive of you, that makes the world of difference. That really does. Um, but people are not always ready to change. And sometimes it can be quite intimidating and... Um, it can make people quite uncomfortable if someone in your immediate circle is changing and you are not changing, um, things can get uncomfortable. And also, nobody nobody wants to, made, to be made to feel like they're uh, unhealthy, you know, yes. that, that their partner's now looking down at them because they're still on the sofa eating crisps and, you know, their partner's now going to a yoga class and they can feel left behind and it can, they can you can get resentment coming in there because suddenly this person's starting to change and they're starting to hang out with people who do yoga and 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 it can seem like hang on this isn't the person I married you know they're changing and I, I don't like this so there's, there's lots of 
very complex things that can come in. And, and also, if the person's trying to change, say they, they really want to stop binge drinking, but all their friends go out on a Thursday and Saturday evening and down, you know, however many pints of beer, that can be really frightening for them because if they stop binge drinking, who will they be? Will their mates still like them? And if not, who will they hang out with? So there, there's a lot that you have to kind of help people navigate because if their social circle or their family circle or their cultural or religious circle eat and drink a certain way and you're asking them to change, it can cause, um, it can cause problems in relationships. Now, I understand that you held a workshop at the University Hospital South Manchester, or also known as Winnichaw Hospital, and it looked really interesting, and I saw the video on YouTube. What did you do there? Yeah, so Winnichaw Hospital is where all my kids were born, and um, I, I just volunteered to do a short group coaching program for their staff over one month. So I went in on a Thursday lunchtime just for 60 minutes um, on consecutive weeks for four weeks. And it was a group about, um, I think it was about 20 staff. Sometimes there were 25, all different departments. So there were some doctors, there were some consultants, there were nursing staff and admin staff, um, all different types of people. And it was, it was an amazing experience, actually, because they were incredibly receptive. And um, over the course of the four weeks, it was really remarkable to see the transformation. So I got them to fill in um, a couple of forms before we started, like a medical symptoms questionnaire, so I could track changes. And during the four weeks, I talked to them about food and movement and stress and sleep and um, also brought in things like gratitude and getting out in nature and I taught them EFT so I taught them how to tap, to tap for stress um, I did mindful breathing with them um, we talked about getting in a state of flow and what could they could bring into their very very busy lives to give them something that would um, just be fun and just get them um, in that state of flow that's so important for our, for our health and for every person it was it was different so one person they put the hand up, say, for me, it's dodgeball. Another person, it was embroidery. One of the, um, I think it was a radiologist, it was playing the guitar. Um, so there was, a, I made it very interactive. So there was a lot of talking, a lot of sharing. Um, yeah, a lot of sharing about their stress, how, how stressful their jobs were, and how they were struggling, how difficult it was for them to go to work and be faced with, everywhere they looked, there was, boxes of chocolates and biscuits because people would bring and I've done this myself you bring sweet treats in to the staff in the hospital so every which way they looked and they would have these snatches of breaks between shifts or whatever and it's so it was so hard for them not to just eat the cake that was in front of them yes so um we talked through all of these things um and I gave them lots of tools so I give them little challenges every week and then build on those as as the weeks progressed I also created a closed Facebook group just just for them and I would put like a daily little tip or a challenge or um a little video that I'd made and it, there you got the peer-to-peer -to, -peer to support support which was really powerful so one of them would post a picture of her breakfast so she used to have a breakfast bar because she liked grab and go i mean this everyone is so rushed so grab and go breakfast is 
you know, is all people think they've got time for. And then she switched to this really nice breakfast and she'd started having nuts and seeds and and um, she would post a picture of whatever it was, beautiful omelette with spinach, whatever it was. And then other people say, wow, that looks delicious and that's so great. And then they would post a picture of their breakfast. And so you get this lovely momentum where people are cheering on their peers and going, yay, yay, well done. And the thing is, we need praise. We just don't get enough praise and encouragement as adults. You know, when, when do people ever give you a pat on the back? Um, and so that was built into the program is in addition to what the information that I was giving them. Um, so with that Facebook you... group, I guess you created a really great supportive community there. And yes. from yeah. what it sounds like a beautifully holistic workshop, I was wondering yes. how receptive was everyone to that? Because I understand some medical professionals may not like the idea of this kind of holistic approach. Yeah. Um, I, I also had the same fear where, before I went in, and I was slightly nervous about how it would all be received. But I have to say, they could not have been any more receptive. They loved the mindful breathing. They loved the EFT to the point that um, one consultant um, who, who really took the, EFT, the, the tapping, unfortunately, a few weeks afterwards, her, her father um, was taken very ill and was really on his last legs in hospital. And she texted me to say that she was tapping and it was helping her. She was in the hospital and she was doing the tapping and her mum was doing the tapping. Um, so they, they, they talked to it completely. Um, I mean, it was challenging doing it in the hospital because their beepers would be going off in the middle of a mindful breathing. But what was really lovely is that the, the following week, they would tell me that they sat in the garden for a few minutes and they watched the birds. And their kids came out and said, what are you, what are you doing? Um, and then it created a whole conversation with the kids where the parents were more relaxed. And they would say to me, I have to tell you, Susie, that I've connected with my kids more over the past month. And that was really, really lovely to hear. So, yes, they'd lost weight and, all, you know, all of that. But what was really beautiful to see was how they felt differently. And the most important thing, they had hope. They had hope. I mean, it was just beautiful to see that they could see that things could be different. Um, they all had incredibly stressful jobs. Um, in fact, a few of them, there were a few people who missed the whole thing because they were off with stress, you know, um, and that was very common. Um, so to have a toolbox of things like, and to understand how they could get better sleep because they, you know, one lady was sleeping with her iPad under her pillow, um, just in case her sister in India called, you know, mm -hmm. so, um, just, just empowering people to get better sleep and, and talking through how they might do that given the restraints of their job and the constraints of, of their hectic schedules is how can they get better sleep um and they did they they really really took it to heart and they made these little changes and it was it was brilliant to do the medical symptoms questionnaire after one month um and there were there were several people who who dropped um like 65 percent and that's without seeing any practitioner. It was just through, I didn't even have any one-to-one -one time with them. No one-to-one -one time at all. This was purely in a group. And they dropped, when you said symptoms, do you mean the medical symptoms that they presented with at the start of the workshop? Yes, 
Yes. Yeah, so from the Functional Medicine Medical Symptoms Questionnaire, which which is pretty comprehensive, and it's everything from skin complaints and you know and digestive disorders and 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 also the anxiety. So I got them to fill in a form, um, the Promise Ten form. So that that charts kind of how often in the previous week they had felt anxious, and it's all you know it's all numerical, mm-hmm. and there were huge drops in in anxiety really significant drops um they just felt happier they felt more positive they felt that they had some agency over their own health that they weren't just you know like little cork corks on the sea just just that they were just kind of getting through each day they they felt that there was hope and they were starting to feel better they had more energy they had fewer cravings because they were having proper breakfast. Um, and yes, their family relationships. And, and what was really heartening to hear was that they went home and they shared all of this with their family. Mm-hmm. So their children benefited and their partner benefited. They taught their partners the breathing exercises. Um, they got some of the junk out of their house. Um, so many different things. They started getting outside more and exercising more. They started... Um, doing groups their own groups in their specific department in the hospital so they started a healthy eating lunch where they brought in healthy lunches and they then got other people to bring in healthy lunches so it was just this beautiful ripple effect where they they then spread the information to other people that is absolutely fantastic i'd be interested to know what is the most profound change that they made did you did you look at that or did there was there any feedback as in like this change really changed the way I feel or it helped the way I feel? So I think it it changed from person to person. Um, I suppose dependent um, on what their their main problem was, whether it was stress, whether it was the food that they were eating, whether yeah, it was their sleep. Yeah, I mean, what you find is that certain people resonate with certain things. So certain people the gratitude journal will be the key that changes everything. Yes. And another person, it will be going for a lunchtime walk. And another person, it will be just grabbing ten, five minutes to do breathing exercise. But ideally, um, so so they'll, they'll maybe start with one thing and then they'll be able to layer on top of that. So that was the beauty of going in for four consecutive weeks. So I could have given them all of that information in one go on one day, but it wouldn't have had nearly the same impact as as helping them along over the course of one month because you get a transformation over a month when you do a little bit at a time. So you have a go with the food, you change your breakfast, and then the following week I'd be, right, guys, who's had a play around with changing their food? And someone put their hand up and say, do you know what? I, I was having... Um, crunchy nut cornflakes and now I'm having um, an omelette with an avocado and tomatoes whatever it was I'd be great amazing and have you noticed any difference yeah I've stopped having headaches at three o'clock or I've, I've stopped craving chocolate at midday so then everyone else listens they're like ah oh, right okay and she looks quite perky today and so they'll think well if she could do it I could do that I, yes. could, I could do that. But for them, it might be different. So maybe they don't feel like eating an omelette at 7 o'clock in the morning. So maybe they'll bring hard-boiled eggs in. or They need to find their own way of doing it. Mm-hmm. But we had very much a group discussion. 
And um, it was tiny changes. So, for example, one guy said, um, I, and he was, he was overweight and he was upset that he was overweight. He felt like a hypocrite talking to patients about their weight and their health. And he said, well, look at me. You know, why should anyone listen to me? Um, and that's really tough as a doctor. Um, so what he said, I think, on week two was I was offered a cake at work and I ate a slice normally I would have eaten the whole cake so I said that's phenomenal that's amazing that you stopped at one slice and he sort of went oh because I think what he was expecting to say was well you know why are you eating cake at all but but we turn everything into a positive so he was able to reframe that as yeah I stopped I stopped at one slice of cake um and then it builds your confidence um, because you can't go from, you know, eating a ton of sugar to none overnight. It's too hard. It's too hard. Very few people can do that. They We need to do it gently. Yes, one little incremental change over time. Yeah. Definitely seems to be the way forward. Yeah. What is the most profound health change that you have made in your life and why? You know, it's it's really hard for me to think of one because I think one of the things that I've learned from being involved with functional medicine is that it's never one thing. So um, I think maybe a few years ago I would have said that it was definitely managing my blood sugar because that used to be all over the place because I just ate refined carbs all day long Um, and I didn't realize there was anything wrong with that. So um, the fact that I now have my blood sugar under control has been utterly transformational for me in every way but having said that i would i would say that journaling has been equally transformational um and the fact that i now um lift weights where i never i never wanted to or felt the need to so i i think what i've learned is never one thing i think people sometimes make the mistake of thinking well i will i'll go and buy some spirulina and my life will be different and i'll feel 100 times better (laughs) and and that's it it's it's never just one thing Absolutely. I completely agree with that. How can health coaching or how do you think health coaching can become more integrated into our current healthcare system? So um, it's interesting you should ask that because I just had a chat yesterday with um, one of the founders of the UK Health Coaches Association. And she was telling me that there are health coaches now. Firstly, there are there are a good few hundred now, which is in the UK alone, which is um, different from a few years ago, where there, there were very few. And there are now health coaches starting to work with GPs, which is brilliant news. Um, so there are lots and lots of ways that health coaches can be integrated. Um, I mean, one of the ones that I would definitely champion is group sessions, because that is the fastest most cost effective and most powerful and effective way to get people to change is to put them in a group um and health coaches can manage those very well it doesn't you know it doesn't need to be a doctor who talks them through um how they can change their diet it doesn't you know that is not a great use of a doctor's time so when i work with um you know for example dr sarah davis and she will she will put them down in writing you know, what she needs the patient to do, then I can carry on the conversation with the patient, calm them down, <laughs> first of all, because they're very overwhelmed, 
um, and and just just get them to I break it down for them. It's like, okay, what what one thing can you start with? And and they'll say, okay, I think I can get up five minutes earlier and I can make myself a breakfast rather than having a muffin at work. I'd be brilliant. Okay, how are you going to do that? Well, I could get the eggs out tonight. Okay, fantastic. Um, and I really talk them through exactly what they're going to do. And then I gently hold them accountable to that. So when I speak to them in two weeks, how did you get on with the breakfast? Well, I managed it two times, twice, but then the others. Okay, so what got in the way? Um, and that's how we go on. So we can take that all that effort off the doctor's shoulders and do it for them. So in that way, you get better outcome for the patient, massively so. And it saves the doctor time. Um, so everyone's happy. Everyone's happy. And the patients are, are happier and they, they enjoy the experience more. Um, so it just makes sense, really, for us all to team up. Because it really does take a team to get people better from the chronic disease epidemic that we're in the middle of. Uh, it takes a team. Um, and lastly, can you please provide the listeners with three tips to help improve their health and well-being from today? So I would say um, the first thing is get clear on your why. Why do you want it? Why do you want to get healthy? For who? And then get yourself some support because, again, I reiterate, it is really hard to make changes on your own. So can you hook up with, it might be an online forum, it might be um, a group of friends, uh, it might be a relative, it might be, you might want to join a group, find like-minded people, but try and get, get healthy with other people. As Mark Hyman says, you know, getting healthy is, is a team sport and it, it really is true. It will be so much easier for you if you can do this with somebody else. Okay. Yeah. Um, and the third tip is, is I think educating yourself is, is really important. There are so many brilliant resources out there from podcasts like this um, that you, you don't. Thank you. Nowadays, it's, it, it's just it's this brilliant democracy where you can, you can access the phenomenal information and you can, you can become an expert. I mean, if you, if you just listen to one podcast a week, you know, for a year, you will be an absolute expert and you'll be able to make informed decisions and uh, because it's really hard to make sense and it when you are faced with junk food every time you step out the door every time you fill up your car um unless you are educated about you know about what your body needs to thrive it can be very hard to make wise decisions um but treat it as a really exciting journey um and celebrate every success every little success is a step along the way and just be really kind and patient to yourself because um you can't expect to go from having a really unhealthy lifestyle to being Gwyneth Paltrow within a week um I'm still working on it um you know it was only three years ago that I stopped with my crisps <laughs> so um don't feel despondent don't feel that I am on some sort of higher echelon looking down you know I'm I'm still adopting new habits all the time Susie it's been a huge pleasure to have you on the show it's great to learn about the benefits that health coaches can have to people and the community but before you go can you please let the listeners know where to find you and what exciting projects you have coming up 
Sure. Um, and firstly, thank you so much, Ben, for having me on. It's been really a delight to chat to you. It's been my pleasure. Um, so my website is peppermintwellness.co.uk and I'm pretty active on Facebook and Instagram, uh, again, under Peppermint Wellness. Um, and there's more videos coming out, um, hopefully um, soon. I do have a YouTube channel as well and um, get to interview some amazing doctors and, and other people. So, um, and um, I always love to hear people. So from people so please do get in touch if you've got any questions i'd love to hear from you otherwise i'll just see you on my um social media feeds um and i do speak at a lot of events as well so if you're local to me um i hope to meet you one day um but yeah just be in touch i really really love to to chat to people fantastic and for the listeners i'll put everything that we spoke about today including susie's website social media and the youtube video to the within hospital um, in the show notes um susie thank you so much for coming on the show it's been a huge pleasure to speak with you and i do hope that we can chat again soon oh i love you then thank you so much for having me on Thank you for listening to the Functional Health Podcast. You can find links to everything that we talked about today in the show notes. If you have a second, please consider leaving a five-star rating on iTunes. It really does make a huge difference and helps get this valuable information out and reach more people. Don't forget to subscribe so you can stay up to date and know whenever I release a new episode. You can connect with us on Instagram, Facebook or our website and all questions are welcome. As always, thanks to Joss Aurelia for the editing and Alan Harper for his support.